Is it on now? There we go. Praise the Lord. We'll try that one more time. It's terrible when you're the sound guy and you can't get your mic on. It's a good way to start out, huh? Glory to God. Well, praise the Lord. He's so good to us, isn't He? Are you believing with me? I'd ask you to. Glory to God. We're going to take off in John. So if you want to turn to the book of John, chapter 3. Praise the Lord. John chapter 3, we're going to start with verse 17. John three seventeen, In King James, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Verse 18, He that believeth on Him is not condemned. Glory to God. That's, our, that's going to be the title of our message tonight is entitled, Not Condemned. Glory to God. Because in Christ, we're not condemned. He didn't send His Son to condemn us. He sent us that we would be saved. If you look that word saved up, it's sozo, and it means to heal, to be whole, or to make whole. Now, when I was a kid, I didn't learn that. I learned that saved meant one day you'd get a little cabin in glory, and you'd tarry and make it until you got there. Okay? But... That word actually means to be made whole. If there's anything missing in your life, when you come to Christ and you accept Him, you put Him on you. And He is whole and He is righteous and you adorn Him. He comes on you and His righteousness now is upon you. And you are made whole. Anything missing physically, spiritually, emotionally is made whole. He creates it. If you, didn't, if you weren't born with it, He'll create it for you to make you in His image. Glory to God. Isn't that awesome? Praise the Lord. Well, He didn't send His Son to condemn us. Go to John chapter 5. We'll just go over a little farther. 5 and 24. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Glory to God. See, we don't have to come into condemnation. I'm going to give you a couple of those. Go on to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We're going to start with verse 1. If I get the right chapter, we'll be in good shape. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There is therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. You see, there's no condemnation in there. And that's, that's the biggest, one of the biggest tools of the, of the enemy, is he wants you to feel like you're not worthy. He wants you to meagerly and ashamedly go before the throne of grace and humbly kind of, I'd really like to have it. Could you please, maybe, if you see fit, send it my way. And I'll wait for it because I know I'm, I'm just a worm and I'm not worthy. And see, that's what he wants you to do. He doesn't want you to know that you're a child of God. He doesn't want you to know that Jesus entitled you to certain things in this life. He doesn't want you to believe that you are a son of God. And just like the Bible says, as Jesus was on this earth, so are you. So when Jesus walked up to somebody, laid hands on them and they were healed, that same anointing, that same spirit that was on Jesus resides in you. You're entitled to everything that Jesus did, plus. Because... 
He's your advocate. He's at the right hand of the Father. Glory to God. The enemy wants you to be beat down. He wants you to grovel and complain and whine and fuss because out of your mouth is whatever's going to come about. If you speak it, it'll happen in your life. And so if he can get you to use your mouth against you, he's got you beat. So the moment we realize we're entitled to stuff, we're entitled to the good stuff. You know, God didn't withhold His Son, Jesus. And if He didn't withhold Jesus, why would He withhold uh, any kind of aches and pains being healed, any kind of finances being taken care of, any kind of issue in your life? He gave His Son. How many of you got kids? Well, you would probably, if you're like me, you would give your house, your car, everything you own away before you gave your child to someone. You would protect your child with everything you have, every dollar you have. You would protect them with everything in you. But Jesus is the same way. Jesus came because He loved us. The Father gave Him up because they loved us from the foundation of the world. They had a way set up in the garden to where Jesus wouldn't have to come. Adam and Eve walked in the cool of the day with God the Father. And it was awesome. They talked on God's level and understood. So when God talked about the stars and the skies and the universe and the galaxy and the Milky Way, and He called every star by name, Adam and Eve remembered them. Because He talked to them on their level. They understood it. And then when that happened and the fall of man happened, then there was another provision. And He gave up Jesus for you and I. And He sent Him not so that we would have all of this other stuff, but because He wanted you to have that and more. Not only the possessions and the health and all of that, He wanted the way paved to where you could go through life without feeling guilty. You know, Adam and Eve, when they got removed from the garden, they were probably pretty condemned. They probably felt pretty bad. But you know, Jesus came that we wouldn't have to feel bad. We wouldn't have to be weighted down with condemnation. I looked that word up in the Webster, condemn. It says, to declare to be reprehensible, wrong, evil, to pronounce guilty, to convict, to sentence, or to doom. Now, I don't like any of those. And I, I was reading them, I was like, wow, you know, that word means a whole lot more to me now than it did five minutes before I looked it up. Because, you know, we hear condemn and, oh, yeah, I condemn myself over that. No, you didn't doom yourself. So that word, the enemy wants it to be desensitized and not to mean as much. But God set it up to mean what it means. And when we use it against ourselves, when He paid a way to where we don't have to be condemned, it's through ignorance. Well, God can deliver you from that. Tonight you can leave here knowing you're entitled. You have rights and you don't have to be condemned from this moment on. You can be entitled. Glory to God. Go to 1 John chapter 3. Praise the Lord. First John chapter 3, verse 20. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. You know, um, my little boy Caleb, when he knows he's done something that wasn't right, he doesn't have any confidence when he comes to me. When he comes up and he knows he's wrong, he's like, and he kind of meagerly comes up and he's all broken hearted and down and stressed and, and, and he doesn't want to just talk and, and figure out stuff because he doesn't want me to talk to him because he knows he's in trouble. Well, That's the same thing when we go to the throne room of God. See, when Caleb knows everything's right, he'll go, I'm not in trouble. (laughs) And then he boldly comes in, hey, I want this and I want that and can you get this? And it's nonstop. 
Because he's bold, and when he sees it, he wants it. And if we have it, he knows he's entitled to it. Because we don't withhold anything that's good in his life. We don't withhold something that would help him, that would better him. We don't even withhold a lot of the stuff he just likes and wants. Because we love him. We want the best for him. And so he'll just burst into the room and go, Hi, I want this, and can I have that? And most of the time doesn't even ask. If there's candy there, he grabs it. Mine. He understands covenant real well. Dad's got it, so it's mine. Well, you see, that's the way it is with God. You are a child of God. And once you mess up and you go, Oh, man, I can't believe I did that. Lord, forgive me. You can now walk right into heaven and go, Hey, I want that. Yeah, the good one. Yeah, the big one right there. Yeah, I want that one. And boldly ask for it and not grovel and not expect it in weeks and months and years. But now, get it and take it and take it with you. Because you are entitled to have it because He paid the way for you to get it. Glory to God. He's so good. Praise the Lord. About to get ahead of myself. I better... Go to John 10. John chapter 10, verse 10. We all know this. Put it up in the Amplified. John 10, 10. I don't have an Amplified up here, so they'll have to put it up. (laughs) There we go. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. You see, in, in Psalms, the 23rd chapter, it talks about my cup runneth over. Well, that's the kind of God we have. To the full till it overflows. And yes, He knows the millisecond that it's starting to run over the edge and could stop it with one molecule of water before it ran over the rim. But he chose to run it over because he's a too much God. He wants you to have an abundance because if you're not full, nobody else gets any. Because when you're full, it just kind of sloshes over on everybody on the sides. You remember Peter and the disciples when they walked down the street and they laid them in the shadow and they got healed. They were full. They were full of the blessing, the anointing, the Spirit of God, so much so just the shadow passed them and it fell off on the sides because He's an overflowing God. He wants you to have more than you can handle so that you have to give it out. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Go to Mark 11. All of you are very familiar with this. Mark 11. And we're going to start with 24. Mark 11, 24. And a lot of you have heard this, but let me throw this out. If you're like me and there's still stuff on your vision list, you could use more revelation and receiving. If, if, if you're still believing for stuff in your life or if you prayed about stuff and it hasn't came to pass yet, you're still standing and you could use more revelation on receiving it. Praise the Lord. Mark 11, verse 24. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that you receive them and ye shall have them. Now, that never made as much sense to me until I heard the teaching on the word receive. You see, the word receive there is translated all throughout the New Testament as take. And many, many other times throughout the New Testament, that word is said take. You guys are quiet. Let's look at that. Um, Go to Matthew 26. We might as well see some of them. 
Matthew 26 and 26. This is Jesus, and as, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and brake it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. That's the same word. Jesus commanded them to take it. All they had to do was grab a hold of it and it was theirs. There, he laid it out, he already broke it, he handed it to them and he said, Take it. That's the same word. Jesus is saying, when you pray, believe you take it and you can have it. So the moment we get it in our heads that it's already there, Jesus has it in his hand just like this bread and he's holding it out going, take it. And all you have to do is reach over like the disciples did, get a hold of it, bring it to you, then you can have it. I'm going to run through some of these. You don't have to necessarily go to them. But Matthew 26, 52, it says, Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into his place. For all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. You see, he pulled his own sword. It was his. He was entitled to it. He reached down, grabbed it, pulled it out. That's the same take as in Mark eleven twenty four. Glory to God. Mark twelve nineteen uh, says, Master Moses wrote unto us, If a man's brother die and leave his wife behind him, and leave no children, that his brother should take his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Same take. They're all through there. Luke 6, 3 and 4 did take and eat the showbread. That's when David was needing food. And he went in and he got the showbread, the, the, the good stuff that the priests only got to eat. And he went and got it because he knew he was a child of God. He knew who he was. He knew he was entitled. And they honored him and gave him the bread. Praise the Lord. There's scripture after scripture after scripture that use that word as take versus receive. See, receive to me is more passive. You know, it, it's not an authoritative, I'm going to get it. It's kind of a, we'll wait and eventually we'll receive it. Like somebody mailed it to you and told you the check's in the mail and you just kind of wait helplessly for it to come. That's received to me. Now, when they go, yeah, it's on the front porch, come get it. And you drive to the house and it's there and you pick it up. To me, that's take. It's there, it's readily available, easy to access, and you get it, and you take it to your house. And that's what that scripture means. You can have that boldness to take it, not to grovel and wonder and worry, but to get a hold of it, bring it to yourself, and take it. Glory to God. Well, let's go to John 14. John 14 and 13. It says, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me and keep my commandments. You see, that's that entitlement we were talking about. If you go, well, go to John chapter 1. This is where that comes from. John chapter 1, verse 12. says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on His name. You see, and then Jesus said later, if you use my name, He gave you power of attorney over His name. God the Father said, if you'll just receive my Son, I will let you be a son of God. My Son, if you'll receive Him, you can be just like Him. 
As we talked about a minute ago, as He is, so are we now in this earth. Well, this is that same deal. Jesus said, if you use my name, you can have whatever you want. If you believe in me, you do what my dad says, you can use my name and anything you ask for in my name, I'll sign the check and it's paid and you can have it. You see, I I think of motels. Because if you've got a buddy that puts you in a motel and he says you get whatever you want and I'll foot the bill, when you go downstairs and you buy something, you don't have to be concerned about that. Because it's already paid for and taken care of. Only with Jesus, there's no limit except in your mind and imagination. Because whatever you ask for with God, He said, if you'll ask anything in my name, I'll take care of it. The God the Father will give it to you because you know you are a son of God. You know who you are. Now, when you're working a job and you get a new foreman, we, I did construction for years, so I think a lot on the construction end. But when you get somebody new on the job and they're your boss and they kind of meagerly walk up, don't have a clue what they're doing, can't tell you what you're doing, you don't have the respect for them in that position that you should have because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're supposed to do. They come up, what are we doing? Well, how are we going to do that? Well, when, when are we going to be done with that? Well, can you show me how to do that? See, they have no idea. But if you have a guy take over and he walks in and he goes, Oh, I see we're doing this. Yep. Yeah, you missed a spot right there. We need to fix that. Tighten that seam up. It'll be better. And, and he walks in and knows what he's talking about. He can tell you how many nails you need on the corners of a sheet of plywood and how many you need in the field. He can tell you what pitch the bird's mouth is. Then you know he knows something about it. And then whenever he walks in, you know your ship has to be tight because you know he knows what he's talking about. Well, it's the same as a child of God. When you go to the throne room and you know who you are, you walk in bold and go, man, I got this hurt right here and I don't have to understand it because it's not lawful that a child of God hurts. So I just came in here to tell you this needs to go away. I don't need a doctor. I don't need anything else. I just need to inform you this is wrong and I'm, I'm entitled to not hurt anywhere. And then you walk out healed and whole because you were bold, you knew what you were entitled to, and you took it. There was no other option. You went in, you found it, you said, this is what I'm after. You laid a hold of it and took it to yourself, and it was manifested in your life. Now, when you walk in and you take it that way, you didn't see it come about. You still have the hurt and the pain. You still have all of the symptoms. But you went in boldly in faith knowing you're entitled. And you claimed it by calling those things that be not as though they were. And you knew your father's faithful. And he gave you the name of Jesus to use on your behalf. And so when you went in, you came boldly to the throne. You told them what you wanted. You received it and you went away. Healed and whole. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about in every area of your life. Go to John 15, a couple of pages over. John 15 and 16. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Glory to God. That's that same fruit Dave was talking about. He wants you to produce it. He wants it credited to your account. He wants you to know what you're entitled to so you can give the way you're supposed to. He wants you to know what you have so that when other people need something, you know, hey, all I got to do is believe for that and I can help them. All I got to do is hook with them. Remember, where two agree is touching, anything they ask shall be done, right? You guys are quiet. Praise the Lord. 
It's a scripture. It's really in there. Just thought I'd let you know. It's Bible. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> Go to John sixteen twenty three. <laughs> it says, And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, He will give it you. Glory to God. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. How many of you want to live in that full, joy, abundant life? It's yours. It's paid for. All you got to do is walk up and where that X is with that little line, you just put Jesus. Done. Paid in full. Glory to God. <laughs> Go to 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians 5. And verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, so many times when people start talking about, you know, who they are, they leave out the in him part. They go, oh yeah, I'm righteous. No, you're not. In Him you are righteous. Oh yeah, I triumph. No. Through Christ you triumph. Oh, I can do all things. No. In Him I can do all things. You see, He paid it. He gave it to you. And He let you add at the end of your name, in Him. That's better than a PhD. Glory to God. Because you get to add Jesus... To the end of your name, every time you sign it, Jesus. You see, that trumps everything else you could put at the end of your name. Because in Him you triumph. In Him you can do all things. In Him you prosper. In Him you are righteous. In Him your righteous prayers avail much. You see, in Him you have everything you stand in need of. He paid it all. He gave it to you. He supplied it and, and told you, sign my name. And all you've got to do is be bold enough to write Jesus at the end of it. No matter who's around, no matter what's going on. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Well, we went through that to get to this. That we would have a boldness and a confidence. Go to 2 Samuel. Second Samuel 6, and verse 14 through 16. This is when David brings the ark home. In verse 14, And David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was girded with a linen ephod. And David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through the window and saw the king leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. And then, if you go on down... To 20. Then David returned to his house to bless his household, and Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovereth himself. You see, David knew who he was. 
Now, Michael was ashamed, and it didn't bode well for her. She never had kids after that. Well, Michael didn't see that what he was doing was right, but David knew who he was. David had just brought the Ark of the Covenant back. And he was dancing before the Lord and didn't care who saw it. He had boldness. He's dancing with everything he can dance with, glorifying God. And he's the king. He didn't care if his subjects saw him. He didn't care who was on the street. The only person that mattered when David took off was that his Lord saw him. That his Lord was glorified in him. And he danced with everything he could dance with before the Lord. And he gave glory to God. Despite what everybody else thought, he danced before the Lord. Praise the Lord. Go to Mark 2. Keep wanting to jump ahead. How many of you know if you read the back of the book, you just want to get to the end? (laughs) Glory to God. Mark chapter 2, verse 2. Well, we'll do this. We'll back up to (laughs) 1. And again he entered Capernaum. After some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, They let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Now, those four people had a buddy that was sick of the palsy. And they came into a place that they heard, if we get my buddy there, this Jesus guy, he'll heal him. And so they come up and they find out through the scuttlebutt around the place that Jesus is in this house. When they got closer, there's people around, they can't even get to the door. They can't get around to the window, they can't find him, they can't get to him. They're trying to carry this mat with this buddy on there. And they try every way that they can. Finally, they look up and they climb up on the roof. And it's somebody's house. They tore this man's roof up. Because they were bold and they knew if I can get my buddy down there, we'll pay whatever we got to pay to fix the roof later. First things first, let's get to Jesus. And so they tore the roof off. They let their buddy down. And when Jesus saw him, he didn't go, hey, don't tear up their property. What? Have respect. He said, ah, oh, I see their faith. And he healed him. Because they were persistent. They didn't give up. They knew if we can just get him there. He'll get healed. Jesus will take care of him. If we can just get him in there, I don't care what it takes, we'll buy the house later. But we got to get him to Jesus first. And so they didn't care what anybody else said. They didn't care what anybody else did. They didn't care that they were probably dropping shingles and wood on somebody below them. They were going to get their friend to Jesus, that he could receive what he was entitled to. He was a child of God. He was entitled to be healed. And if the roof stopped them, oh well, we're going to get rid of the roof. And so they tore it off and they got their buddy to Jesus and he saw them and commended them and healed their friend. Praise the Lord. Go to Mark 5. Mark 5, we'll start at 25. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch his clothes, I may be whole. 
Well, we know the story. She got there. She got to touch his garment. But the thing you've got to look at is this was a woman with an issue of blood. This woman, if she had an issue of blood and it stopped for seven days, she was still unclean and she couldn't be among people. And she knew it. So she gave up all of these things she knew and she pressed into a priest, to a man of God, and touched him knowing she was unclean. Knowing that it could really go against her and hurt her, could even cause her to die because she's unclean. And she was going to a man of God. But she believed so much that she was entitled. And if she could just press in and get a hold of him, she could be made whole. That she said, I don't care what they do to me. I don't care what happens. I know if I can get to him, I'll be made whole. I know everything will change if I can just get a hold of him just for a moment. And she did. And Jesus saw her faith. And she was healed Because she touched his garment. He turned around and talked to her about it. Because she touched the garment, her faith made her whole. Jesus didn't have to speak to her. He didn't have to lay hands on her. She believed strongly that this man Jesus had enough anointing on him. That if I can just touch the hem of his garment, the anointing will flow through that and I'll be made whole. Glory to God. That's boldness. That's knowing who you are and what you're entitled to. Go to Matthew 15. Matthew 15 and 22. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. And And he answered her not a word. He didn't even talk to her. And his disciples came and asked him to send her away, for she cries after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent to the lost, but for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered her and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, Woman, great is thy faith, be it unto, unto thee even as thou wilt. Now, I want to look at that. Because here's this woman who wasn't entitled to anything. She wasn't entitled to healing and health. She wasn't entitled under the covenant because she was a Syrophoenician. She was a Greek. They weren't under the blood covenant with Abraham. They were outside of the covenant. But she had heard about Jesus coming through. And so much so that she cried after him. Apparently more than once because the disciples were tired of her. And Jesus was ignoring her. And she's hollering, apparently where she can see him. And apparently close enough that he's having to focus on ignoring her because he doesn't answer her. So she's hollering after this son of David. And he's, he's ignoring her. And the disciples come to Jesus and go, hey, let's send her away. We're tired of her. She keeps hollering. She keeps wailing. Everybody else hears her. She's a distraction. Send her away. And he turns and he goes, I'm not sent to you. You're not in my covenant. I'm not sent to you. Now after all of the children in the covenant are fed, then it'll come to you. In other words, he spoke of the future. He knew that once he was dead, buried, resurrected, that then it would go to the Greek, to all people. There is neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, male nor female. See, he knew it was coming, but it wasn't yet. And so he told her, I'm not here for you. I can't help you. And she said, oh, yeah, but I know you can. Thou son of David, help. Help me. Have mercy on me. Help me. And so she she keeps crying. And he goes, I can't give the children's bread to the dogs. She still wasn't offended. 
She stepped right back up. She goes, yeah, but, but I know what kind of bread you serve, and if I could just get a crumb, it'll take care of everything I got. I don't need a whole loaf. Just roll a little off the table, and I'll have everything I stand in need of. Well, you see, that's great faith. She wasn't after everything, a loaf and, and all of this stuff. She just wanted a crumb because she knew this glory that was on this man, Jesus, had enough power that if she could just get a crumb of it, it would heal her daughter and she'd be made whole. Great was her faith. And you don't, you may not realize it, and I didn't realize it for a long time, but her faith was so great, she reached forward into the future. And she got a covenant that wasn't yet established. And she got a hold of it, pulled it back to her time. And her daughter got healed. Because she believed, and she reached out, and she took it from the future. And she said, oh, I know it's coming. I can see it and I know it's going to be there and I want what's out there. And so she went out and she went to Jesus and went to the future of death buried, raised, and passed down to a bigger covenant to the Jews and the Greek alike. And she grabbed her child's healing and she pulled it back to her to today. And her child was made whole. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Well, you have that same covenant. It's available to you. So much so, that word make we talked about before. If your finances, if you're, if you're getting out in a month or three or five or ten or two years or ten years... You can do the same thing for your healing, for your finances. You can reach into the future like this woman did. And you can grab what you need and you can pull it back in time to where we are right now. Because your faith will move it. If you ask the Father for it, He said, if you use my name, I'll supply it and I'll give it to you. I'll take it. And I'll bring it back to you and hand it to you, even though in the natural it was going to be ten years before you got to that point. We're seeing that. Bills reduced and eliminated. That's what that is. That's faith reaching into the future, getting your house paid off, pulling it back to ten years early, five years early, months early. That's what that is. That's your faith in action, working, reaching into your future and paying your stuff off early, reaching into your health, pulling back healing that's going to come later and manifesting it today. That's what God's got for you. And all you've got to do is lay a hold of it, get a hold of it like this Syrophoenician woman did and say, I know it's coming. And I can see it, but I want it now. I don't want to have to wait for it. I want it now. You call me whatever you want to call me. I'm going to stand and I'm going to receive it. And I'll keep following you. Your disciples can be mad. Everybody else can be mad. I'm going to stay. And I'm going to follow you until it comes about. I'm going to keep after it until it's manifested right here, right now. And they hung on. You can do the same thing. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Go to 1 Timothy. First Timothy 6 and 17. It says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Now, he had a lot of opportunity in that. He said, charge them that are rich in this world. He could have said, charge those sorry heathens because they got wealth in this world. You see, many Christians, many churches look at money as just, you're a heathen, you're lost, you had to have done something wrong to have it. But he had every opportunity to address it. 
And he said, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded. Not that they give it away, not that they're bad people, but just that they don't think of themselves more than they ought to, but that they would trust in God, the living God, instead of the riches. He didn't say, get rid of your money. He said, trust in the one that gave it to you. The one that gave you the power to get wealth. Trust in Him who gives you richly all things to enjoy. You see, if, if you're sitting in here and the enemy's told you you can't have it, you don't deserve it because you're condemned about what's happened in your life, we're talking to you through the Bible today. This is all scriptures. That's why we've hit so many of them. I didn't give you my opinion anywhere in there. I gave you scripture after scripture after scripture of the way the Bible went through from Jesus paying the way, God sending him, that you could be a son of God, that you wouldn't be condemned, that you could come boldly to the throne of God, and now you know that he'll give you richly all things to enjoy, and you don't have to feel bad about it. So the only thing that stops us is us. So let's get past that. Glory to God. Go to Deuteronomy 8.18. I just quoted it, but we better look at it. Deuteronomy 8 and 18. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is He that giveth thee power to get wealth. Glory to God. Well, if it's healing you're after, I'm going to run through a couple of the other ones. In Psalms 91.16, you don't have to run to there, but it says, With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Psalms uh, 107.20 says, He sent his word and, and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. You see, he paid the way for your finances, richly all things to enjoy. He paid the way for your healing, that you would have health. He paid the way so you'd have friends and family and fellowship. He, he made it so you don't have to feel bad. Yeah, you messed up. If we got what we deserved, it wouldn't be good. We'd live a short, miserable life, defeated. We'd die early and we'd go to hell. It's real simple. None of us deserve the other. But in Him... You're righteous. In Him you triumph. Let's go to one other passage. Let's go to Matthew 9. Matthew 9. Verse 26. And the fame thereof went abroad into all that land. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed after him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this. And they said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. Now I want to look at that. That's kind of where I want to end up. Because these people, they're blind. They just heard about Jesus. They grab a buddy that's also blind. And they say, We're going to go find this Jesus. Well, at first they probably had people helping them. Because they probably felt sorry for them. You know, hey, you're blind. Or they probably had friends or family that were going to walk their way over. But all of this crowd was around Jesus. And all of this murmur and this, this huge press, as the Bible talks about, they couldn't get to Him. So they started crying out, Jesus, Thou Son of David, have mercy on us. And they started out hollering. And I'm sure their friends were like, no, no. Don't do that. We'll get you there. Don't draw attention. We'll get you there. Be patient. You see, that's where the enemy starts. Oh, it'll come about. Just wait. 
Oh, it'll be okay. Just wait. Maybe next week. Just wait. You see, he puts you off over and over and over. But these blind guys, they didn't take it. They said, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. And they hollered louder. And they're blind. So they're bumping into people. They're running over people. They can hear Jesus teaching and talking. And they hear people, He's over there. And they're like, where? They can't tell. So they're listening and they're trying to find Jesus. And they're bold. And they're hollering louder. And their buddies are like, hey, we're not helping you no more. If you're going to holler, you're going to make all this commotion, you're on your own. Well, they don't care what the world thinks anymore. They're beyond worrying about their friends and their family. Jesus has what they stand in need of. And it doesn't matter who's upset with me. I'm going to do what i got to do to get to this man, Jesus. And so they holler all the louder. Jesus! And they keep hollering. And they keep working their way closer and closer. And they're bumping into people and they're making them mad. People are trying to hear Jesus speak. And here these blind guys are hollering and interrupting. And so they made them mad, but they don't care. They're going to get to Jesus. They yell louder and louder. And they keep pressing. And they find this house. Well, the other guys had to tear off a roof. These guys can't see to climb up on a roof. So they keep pressing and keep hollering, Excuse me! Excuse me! Jesus! Excuse me! Jesus! And they keep pushing and pressing and pressing until they've made everybody mad and nobody can hear Jesus because these guys are hollering and destroying everything. But they are going to get what they came after. They don't care if they made you mad. They don't care if you were offended because they had faith to get to the Son of God. They're not worried about you anymore. They're going to come boldly to the throne. And they're going to reach out and they're going to get a healing. And so they keep hollering, Jesus! And they keep running into people. And they finally make it to Jesus. And Jesus sees their faith. And He says, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Well, of course they did. They just hollered and made everybody mad. They pressed in through all of these people, ran into walls and trees and streets and corners of houses all the way through town to get to these, this man, Jesus. And they say, yeah, we believe. And He said, well, be it unto you, even as you believe. You see, that's what we have to do. We have to get beyond all of this junk Get, be, get past what our friends and our family think. Get past what the world thinks. We have to get to the point that we look to the Master. And we don't care what everybody else thinks. We don't care if they think we're idiots. We don't care if we, we make them mad because we talk about Jesus. We walk boldly out into the street and we know who we are. We know we're entitled to anything that's good... Because God gave all the good things. And so we walk boldly out. Wherever we go, we walk bold. Because we know we have as much right as anybody else. And we have a right to talk about our Jesus anywhere we want to talk about Him. And we have a right to claim our healing every time we feel sickness or or a disease upon us. We have a right to step out boldly, holler to the Son of David who's at the right hand of the Father, your brother, seated by his dad. And all you've got to do is say, Jesus, I need this. Jesus, I want this in my life. I don't care what everybody else thinks anymore. I'm not concerned about the world anymore. I'm concerned that I get everything He's entitled me to and that I show others what He's entitled us to have. You see, it's not just about you getting what you want. It's about you showing people it's okay. It's about you walking in, coming out with riches and wealth, not not hurting anybody else, not stealing it, but being blessed of the Lord. And people look on your life and go, wow, God really did that for them. God supplied that for them. You know, they didn't cheat anybody. They didn't have to go against anybody. Wow, you know, that's different. 
Or they walk in and they see you and you've been in a wheelchair your whole life and now you're walking. You've been blind your whole life and now you're walking around talking to them, seeing them eye to eye. Whatever it is, you're entitled to it. The enemy's going to tell you you're not worthy. The enemy's going to remind you of a cat you kicked when you were three years old. And he's going to try to make you feel like that's going to keep you from getting healed. But it's not. He's going to try to make you think you're not entitled to wealth and money. You're not entitled to the house in that subdivision. You're not entitled to go to that school or to that university. He's going to try to get you to think less or put it off. But you can reach just like the Syrophoenician right out into the future boldly, unashamedly because you have a God who paid it. You had a God who supplied it, paid for it, set it up to where all you've got to do is boldly come, grab a hold of it, get it, and pull it back to now in this time. Receive it unto yourself. Take a hold of it and you can have it. Glory to God. We're not condemned. It doesn't matter if you shot five people yesterday. If you repented and turned from it today, God won't bring that back up to you. Now, there may be penalties, there may be other things, but God will not condemn you for it, ever, because you turned from it. So if you're in here today and and the enemy's dealt with you, and he's made you feel guilty... He's made you feel unworthy. I want you to know the same God that made the universe. The same God that named every star on the Milky Way. The same God that spins the earth in rotation and none of us fall away from it. The same God who's creating galaxies light years ahead of us so that whenever we get to where we can see farther, it's already there. The same God created you perfectly. The way He wanted you made. And He had a job for you. A calling on your life. And it doesn't matter what the enemy tells you you've done wrong. Today can all change. It doesn't matter if you felt bad your whole life. Right now, right here, your life can change. And you can become the righteousness of God. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The moment you do that, you become the righteousness of God. The moment you do that, you take on Jesus' robe. You remember the, uh, the prodigal son? You see, he went out and he messed up and he squandered his wealth. He got all that it was coming to him. He, he squandered it. He went out in riotous living. And then he got so bad off, he was eating the filth with the pigs, slopping them and eating the pods they were feeding them. And he felt so bad and he knew he was wrong and he knew he'd sinned against his dad and against his God. But he came home. He finally saw that it'd be better to be a servant in my father's house than it would be to be here. Even the servants get treated better than this. And so he heads home not to find his dad with his feet propped up on the desk telling him, I knew you'd be back groveling. I knew you messed up. I was just waiting for you to get here so I could tell you how bad you messed up. No. He found the father looking out, anxiously awaiting the arrival of the son to come home. Not only did he wait for him and see him afar off, but when he saw him, he he grabbed his clothes and he ran to him. And he hugged him. And he said, you're my son. Go get the robe that you had when you became a man. And we'll put the fine robe on you. I want want your ring. Go get it. Bring the ring to him. Let him know he's a son of mine. Then put sandals on his feet. Now go kill the fatted calf. We're going to have a party because my son, my heir, came home. And he stepped right back into the family 
as a son, a joint heir with his brother who was angry with him, wouldn't even come to the party. But he stepped right back in and became a son of his father. With all the entitlements, everything he had before he left, plus whatever they gained while he was gone. You see, that's what God wants for you. Don't let the enemy beat you up. Don't let him condemn you. You are a son or daughter of the Most High God. And He's watching for you. And the moment you'll turn and let Him, He'll put the good robe on you. He'll get the good sandals and put them on your feet. He'll wrap His arms around you and love you and show you that you can have all things richly to enjoy. Praise the Lord. Stand to your feet. Glory, glory, glory. Go ahead and play something.